Welcome to this episode of The Strong Way with Kathy Ostopchuk. The strong way isn't always the easiest way, but it is the best way. It often means coming face to face with giants, experiencing defining moments, and coming out stronger on the other side. Thanks for tuning in to Kathy's conversation today, covering success, strategy, transformation, resistance, resilience, and more than enough wisdom to inspire you to stay in the game. We believe you have it in you to find your strong way forward. The strong way is not always the easiest way, but it's the best way because it's your way. And now, here's Kathy. Well, hey everyone, welcome to episode 10 of The Strong Way with me, your host, Kathy Ostapchuk. This conversation today with my brilliant guest, Paul Burns, Managing Director of Twitter Canada, was a surprise to me. I'm not sure what you're expecting from this episode, but I wager you will not only be surprised, but pleased that he is not who you think he would be in his position, a leader overseeing a platform with such wide media influence. Paul is part theologian, part academic, part philosopher, part business strategist, but mostly Paul brings wisdom in the ways that leave real impact. He's concerned about the human soul over the rhetoric and opinion that come across the Twitter feed every second of every day. As you hear Paul share in this conversation, Twitter, as the largest repository of human thought with over a billion tweets analyzed, has unique insight into the human condition and what is important to us right now. So I hope you listen with interest to Paul's view on the social media platform and the opportunity he feels exists for there to be more good to come from people's expression than negative outcomes. Paul Burns is a believer, builder, maker, dreamer, husband, father, as well as being a senior executive of Twitter. And at Twitter, he helps brands, business, and people see the power of conversation to change the world. I love that. Paul believes that when we begin to have more open, healthy, and loving conversations, especially about the things we disagree on, we are one step closer to looking more like Jesus. And when he's not at Twitter, Paul helps lead a nonprofit organization called Matthew House, where he helps inspire hope, restore dignity, and empower independence for refugees around the world. He lives in Toronto with his wife Olivia and two boys, and you can find him on both Twitter and Insta at Paul Burns. So if you thought that we could keep this episode to 144 characters or less, you're wrong. You're way wrong. You may, however, have to go back and listen to it 144 times to glean all the good stuff that Paul delivers into your iPods. And now my conversation with the transformation thought leader who is Paul Burns. Well, it's my pleasure to invite Paul Burns to the Strong Way podcast today. Paul, thanks so much for taking time and being with me. Hey, Kathy, great to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah. I mean, I've been following you for a while. Who doesn't follow um, people on Twitter and people that are in significant places of positioning? And I'm wondering, as you woke up this morning and looked at the world around you, what are you bringing in terms of emotion, in terms of thought? Like, what are your first thoughts in this cultural moment today? Yeah. Wow. Uh, that's a that's a big, big loaded question. I, I would say um, <clears throat> it's complicated. Uh, is maybe the, the the quick answer. Um, 
I have I have a range of thoughts when I get up in the morning, um, uh, and I think they so it's a bit of a roller coaster uh, on most days, and it's it's thoughts from gratitude, um, which I think is always a good <laughs> healthy posture to have uh, as an individual. Gratitude for our situation, gratitude for. Um, you know, where I am personally and my family and uh, where we are uh, situated in the world. I think uh, it's easy to take a cynical stance uh, on on many things in life, government, the political climate, uh, conflict in the world. Um, um, but I, I do feel I do feel deeply grateful for um, for for just the, 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 you know, the blessings that have come my way and that I think um, that exist uh, and that I experience. Um, and it's simple things like, you know, the health of my family, um, you know, and it's simple things like, you know, acknowledging that we are on a rock in the middle of space, hurtling at thousands and thousands of miles an hour around a sun, around a ball of fire. And, and yet there things are okay. You know, I mean, it's in, in the grand scheme of things, um, you know, I feel deeply great, grateful for just um, the fact that I have breath in my lungs, that I, that the sun rises in the morning, uh, that, uh, that, you know, the buds are on the trees right now. Um, and, um, and they're about to bloom in the spring, you know, like little things, I think, um, trying to be grateful for those things that I get to have lunch with my child every day because we're working from home. Like what a, what an amazing gift. Um, but at the same time, I think I have, I have, I feel deeply sorrowful for, I think the, the situation that's happening in the world. Um, and that, that comes with pain and, uh, hurt and, um, you know, questions around what is actually going on in the world. And, um, I try not to camp out in the, in that place, for too long, um, I I definitely don't want to dismiss it and be all hyper optimistic, but I do think it's um, you know God says that these things will happen, um, and uh, and we're called to be lights amidst the darkness. And so I think um, trying to remind myself of who I am uh, amidst the backdrop of the complexity of the situation that we're living in. Um, and not to get fully absorbed by the situation, but know that I, I am called to be um, different than the situation. I'm not called to be um, consumed by the circumstances or situation in the world. So yeah, I, I would say that the short answer to your question is like, it, has, it is a roller coaster of thoughts and feelings and, you know, um, high highs and low lows. And I think, um, uh, for me, anyway, it's been it's been a season of great introspection, a season of uh, you know really trying to look inside of myself and understand you know what what are we doing? <laughs> you know, our lives are a vapor, and um, we don't have much time. And that that could sound very you know. <laughs> uh, fatalistic, but I, I, I really think, you know, it, it has this season of COVID and pandemic and, you know, the crisis in Europe and, and Russia. And like, I, it's, to me, it's produced an urgency to get moving and an urgency to just wake up and just shine 
uh, and, um, and, and really when you strip all the things in life away, um, that, that COVID has stripped away, when you strip all those things, those sort of previous luxuries and privileges that we all had, um, you're left with like a real sort of crisis of conscience. Like, who are you? Why are you here? What is your purpose? Uh, how are you going to spend your time? And I, I found that over the last several years, we can get absolutely consumed by the tsunami of distractions and um, we can we can end up in a pretty scary place if we just end up scrolling, you know, YouTube videos or or you know or Twitter feeds for all that you know for all that matters. And you know, I think it's it's there's there's bigger there's more eternal things at stake here than the immediacy of some of the um, you know challenges that we're experiencing day to day. So anyway, that's a a roundabout way of saying like. Uh, I'm doing great. And, uh, and a whole lot of other things at the same time. <laughs> you are man to be, I probably have to pay admission to be a fly inside your brain to see all of the wheels that are turning. But I have to say it's a, it's a very refreshing answer because most of the leaders I'm talking to have a crisis of cynicism. And you're just saying, this is a crisis of change. I mean, it can be used for good, but your focus has to be start starting on with gratitude. What am I thankful for? What's in front of me? And I don't see the world responding that way because it's a very um, anxious world and it's a sorrowful world. And you're saying, yes, you're sorrowful, but it hasn't made you become cynical. And I really appreciate that. And I think people that are listening appreciate that they might have a choice to be grateful even as they face what the world is bringing. I was going to ask you how the last year or two has been with you because they say the pandemic just accelerated some of the trajectories we were already on. How did you find, what was your main, um, main takeaway from what the last year or two has been like for you personally? For me personally, I think it's been a, it's been a season of getting back to basics, if I can say that, you know, uh, of, of really kind of examining you know, who am I? you know, really unpacking and maybe just digging pretty deep into my own identity and uh, why am I here? And, you know, I'm, I'm a person of faith and I, I think, you know, like um, faith is not some sort of side project for me, some sort of like, uh, uh, you know, side hustle that, that like uh, yoga or, or something like that. Not that yoga is bad, but it, it, for me, faith is uh it's my lens on how I view the world. It's, 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 it's how I make sense of what's going on. It's how I understand my relationships in life with my wife, my kids, uh, my, my colleagues. Um, and it, it fuels absolutely everything that I do. And I would say that the last year has been uh, a season of um, getting to know the author of that faith <laughs> and getting to know um, the questions behind that faith. And it, it, what it really is for me is a, a season of why do I believe what I believe? Uh, why do I, um, you know, why do I put my faith in something that is unseen? And um, why do I believe that, uh, you know, we were born with a purpose and intentionality and uh, that every minute uh, is known by a loving father. Um, why do I believe those things? And so um, 
And I don't think that's deconstruction, but I, what, what I do think that is, is really a, for me anyway, it was a, if I believe these things, if I, if I actually believe what the Bible says, if I believe that there is a, uh, uh, an omnipotent being <laughs> that has created the universe, that knows everything about me and knows the destiny that my life has been created for, um, have I really been living with that power in mind? Have I been living and understanding the scope and gravity and authority of what that means to have the creator of the universe um, being for me? <laughs> the, the creator of the universe saying to me that I am, I am a son um, and knowing that, that, that he has an inheritance for me. I mean, these are, these are like big, big ideas, but I think the last season for me has been really um, almost like uh, going into the cave of what those things mean. And, um, and, and if I believe that, and I think for me anyway, it's been a little bit of, if I believe that, which I do, and, and if I believe there is an all-powerful, all-knowing God who has a purpose and a destiny and a, an intention for my life, um, and that I just need to trust him with every ounce and shred of my being, um, then, 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 I, then I should fear nothing. And I should, I should walk into the day with such a confidence and such an authority and such a knowing um, that nothing can come against me. Um, and so I, I, uh, I think for me anyway, it's been a, um, a revelatory season of, uh, just understanding, you know, really that, that this, this cannot be for me anyway, it cannot be a, uh, faith as a side project, a, a, a thing that we do on Sunday. It, uh, like it has to be, it has to be more than that. And I think for me, it's been a, a real self-examination that if that is true, and I believe it to be true, then everything is possible and the impossible is possible. And, um, you know, and things that I never thought could be possible are actually within the realm of reality. And so that gets into a territory, you start flirting with this line of, okay, dude, you're crazy. Um, <laughs> but I, I don't know. I think that's, uh, we, we, I serve a crazy good God. And I think that's like, that's, that's, that's kind of how I've been processing the season. And I truthfully don't think that, um, I've seen people over the last season, uh, turn to this very inward, uh, focus, this sort of like, you have the power within you, you have, um, and, and that's all good, but I feel like that, that definitely has its limitations. And I think what I've, what I've been feeling anyway, has just been this real sense of like, you know, God saying, um, just trust me and, and believe, uh, and, uh, you know, I, I didn't really think I was, I possessed unbelief. Um, but I, I realized I did, um, and fear is a natural thing that we all experience, but maybe fear at its core, and maybe this is something that is kind of pressing on my heart has been fear in many ways is a little bit of unbelief. Um, I should not fear if, if I have the God of the universe in my corner fighting for me and with me and guiding me and I'm trusting in him. Um, fear has no, you know, no uh, bearing on me. And so I think that's, that's created a, when you don't fear death <laughs> and you don't fear 
the opinions of others, like your worldview and your possibility just cracks wide open. And, and the things you thought were insurmountable before, I think just become like, like a, like a speed strip in the road that you can just run over, you know? And so I think this, what, what I've found over the last, you know, couple years has been just a real sense of re-examination of digging deeper, of trying to understand who I am and why I, why I'm here. Um, and, uh, and just, I think being quietly peaceful and trusting that, um, that God's got my back and not, not being too worried when things don't go my way because, um, God's got my back. (laughs) Yeah, that's so good. So many of us and so many leaders think they'll do all this work at the end of their life when they're retired and they'll look back and, you know, ask the big questions. And really at that point, it's too late in the pandemic has given you an opportunity to do that now as a, as a younger leader with so much ahead of you to ask these big questions. And I think what I admire about that is that you don't feel like you have to all have all the answers, but you're asking the right questions. And mm-hmm. I think the other thing you've kind of pointed out is that so many of us have run to things outside of ourselves to answer those questions like the self-help or, or the Netflix or the escape from our own lives. And you're saying, I'm just confronting what's inside me and I'm asking these questions. And so that's brilliant. I feel like I've been to church and spiritual formation and a philosophy class all in one, but I love that. I love that perspective because I think it does broaden the scope of what it means to be human and what it means to lead an influence out of that. So I'm going to describe some words I've read about you. You're described as a believer, a builder, a maker, a dreamer, which I've heard in your words today, a husband, father, who also happens to be a senior executive at Twitter. Out of all of these roles, I think you're known publicly most as really your role at Twitter. So I'd love to hear from you your definition of success. And if your positioning right now is something that's partly a surprise or something that you had a clear strategy for. Yeah, Kathy, you know, I, I, I used to believe that uh, my career was everything. My career was the thing that defined me. It was the thing that, um, that, that spoke about who I was. I, I always used to carry, you know, back when business cards were a thing, I used to carry a, a, a whack of them around with me all the time. Um, uh, you know, I loved informing people of where I worked and who I was and my title. And I, it was a weird pride thing that, uh, that, that made me feel like I needed to, uh, tell people how important I was. And, um, and that existed throughout my entire career where like a deep desire to be affirmed, I suppose, and maybe a deep desire to be, um, to feel important in, in a weird way. Um, but I, I think what I've realized now is that, um, testimonies are far more important than titles. And, you know, I, I think that, um, you know, this is a surprise that I'm in this role. You know, I never, I never, in, you know, believed that I would be in a role like this. Um, and so I take it very, I, I take it seriously that I'm in this role, but I also, I'm so grateful that I'm in this role. Um, but I also don't let that become the thing that defines me. 
Um, I don't, I, I, I am very cautious about making sure that, you know, cause people do say, Oh, Hey, you, you're that guy that, you know, runs this company. That's, you know, very well known. And it does a lot of things in the world. And, you know, people have a lot of opinions about that. And, um, but I, I, that's never, that's never, I never want that to be the lead story um, in my heart. Um, my hope is that people see me and go, wow, that guy's like in love with Jesus. That guy is just such a passionate person of faith. Um, he believes things that are just impossible. Uh, I would love for those to be the headlines um, that people um, know about me. And, um, you know, I, I don't uh, discount the position that I'm in and that it, it, it is a place of influence and it is a, you know, an opportunity. And, um, but I think success for me is, is more about who I am becoming as a child of God, uh, you know, who I, who I am learning to become, how I love people, how I show love to people that don't deserve it. Um, you know, how I, uh, how I, how I demonstrate, you know, Christ in, in how I speak and how I think about others and how I, how I care for them. Um, so all, all of those things I think are, are just things that I think about when I think about my role in this place. And it doesn't even matter that I work at Twitter. It, it like, if I was working at, you know, a local fast food restaurant, or if I was, you know, cleaning, cleaning the streets or like, we should all be exhibiting in my opinion. <laughs> and I think in the Bible's opinion, we should be Christ-like in our attitudes. We should be aiming to do the job as though you were doing it for, uh, for the big man upstairs. And I, I think for me, uh, you know, it, um, I, I think it, 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 it means that every day when I'm meeting with my team, when we're talking about issues that affect the world, uh, that, um, that affect global leaders, you know, it means approaching it with, a, with a heart of loving people first, um, um, giving feedback to people in a way that's like, I, I really actually care about you. And I'm, I'm giving you this feedback because I love you. <laughs> um, love, love has a wild way of transforming, you know, how you approach, uh, the day to day. So, um, anyway, um, I, and that's like a quick answer. And I think like for me anyway, it's, uh, um, the role that I have is I'm, I feel very blessed to be in the position that I'm in. I did not expect to be in this position, and I um, hopefully I can use my time here to to glorify God uh, in 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 the way I show up, in the way I lead, and the decision that I make. And um, yeah, it's a way to answer your question. It's <laughs> amazing. I mean, you know that everything you're saying is so countercultural to our current. Um, lineup of leaders globally. I mean, I'm sure their identities wrapped up in position. I mean, it's just so normal for us to want that, uh, to have that affirmation, to have the name on the door, the title, the influence, and you're speaking words that really push back against that. And you're talking about being transformational in a culture that really wants you to conform to its standards of, you know, identity. So I really appreciate that word. And that leads me to ask you, you know, you are not in a faith environment. Obviously, you're in a you're in an environment that I, I think I, I read on Twitter on your feed that there's you're you're the largest platform of, you know, world thought 
um, that comes together on Twitter and you process 2 billion, you know, pieces of information. I'm not sure how often, but there's a lot of words in there. There's a lot of opinions in there and it's not known as a faith-based platform, but here you are, you know, leading a significant demographic in that platform. What has the resistance been like for you? Because here you are a man of faith in this platform that really seems to host, you know, dividing opinions, rhetoric, um, some faith-based, but largely not. Um, and do you get pushback from the faith community um, in a business world? Do you get pushback from the business world where you are unafraid to speak your faith testimony? Well, I think um, the Bible says to expect opposition. It's part of the game. And I would say if you were to ask me this question a decade ago, I I would have attributed opposition and resistance to, well, they just don't like me, um, or I didn't do something right, or ah, it's just a bad day. And uh, I would have chalked up all these experiences of opposition to, um, you know, just external circumstances. Uh, or looking inward at myself, something I didn't do properly, um, and beat myself up over it. But um, look, I, I think, you know, we can make a decision in life, do we, do we, um, or at least this is how I think about it, I can, I can choose to please uh, people, or I can choose to please God. Uh, and uh, sometimes those things will, uh, will not, <laughs> sometimes those things will be contradictory. And many times they will be. And I, I think um, when I choose to please God, uh, I know that there will be an invariable fallout in many cases with, with you know, people's approval of me. Um, I, I think I've gotten to a place where, and maybe this exists for everyone. I think it still probably exists for me, if I'm being honest, that uh, I, I still do care what people think of me um, because I want to make sure that they're, they're, they're seeing the right me, um, and not some contrived version of me, but I've just tried to stop thinking about me, uh, if I'm being honest with you and just focus on, you know, how do I, how do, how do I glorify God in my role? How do I show up in a way that is, that is loving others? How do I do what God asks me to do, um, in a, in a situation that, that may not be Christ-filled? And, um, and that's like all of our lives <laughs> when you think about it, like we're all in ministry. Um, and if you have, if you're a person of faith and like, there is no such thing as a secular job, in my opinion, like you're going to a job, you're in, like, you're in ministry. You, you, if you believe you, you're in ministry and, um, that doesn't necessarily mean in my opinion that you've got to crack open a Bible and start preaching to everyone. Um, but, um, you can love other people like crazy and you can show other people what it means, uh, what the love of Christ actually means in action. Uh, and that's powerful. And I, I think in, in our world, you know, people are quick to have an opinion. Uh, your earlier comment around just being cynical and um, being critical um, and uh, you know, cynicism and, and critical thought, or being critical of others is, I, I heard someone say once that it's like, uh, it's like the critics of the world are like the people that come onto the battlefield and shoot the wounded. Um, you know, it's, um, 
they're they're you know they're always going to be there. They're they're people that are going to be, you know, on the sidelines. But you know, we're called to play the game. We're called to be on the court. Uh, we're called to just go out there and risk. And I think faith is spelled R-I-S-K, uh, which means um, not being afraid to uh, be in a position where uh, faith is absent uh, and, um, and, and bring the kingdom of heaven into a place like that. Uh, and that, that to me is like an incredible mission where we are going out into the world and we are bringing the kingdom of heaven in our actions, in our attitudes, in our faith, in, our, in how we think about um, what we are declaring and what we are speaking we are bringing the kingdom of heaven into an existence in a place that it, it might be absent and void. Um, and what a mission that that is for us, uh, you know, and so I get excited by that. And I get excited about going into places where there is no gospel. And, uh, and that's like a very foreign topic for people. <laughs> and, and, and you start to reveal the power and the miracle of Jesus to people and see how it could radically change someone's life in a profound way. Um, like that gets me out of bed in the morning. That's that gets me excited. Um, so, um, yeah, I, I, I would say the darker it gets, uh, the more chances we have to shine. And I, I think like we shouldn't be afraid necessarily of the darkness. Um, I hear a lot of people talk about that, just how dark it is. World's horrible. The world's dark. <laughs> look how, look at how evil things are in the world. And that might be true, but, um, but let's stop obsessing over the darkness and just bring a ton of light into that environment. Um, and I think that's, that's where, that's where our job is, is that, uh, you know, despite the darkness, we are, we are bringing, you know, a radical injection of, of goodness and light into that, into that world, into that environment, into that circumstance. Um, so, but that, but that you're going to face opposition in those moments, you're going to face resistance, you're going to face, uh, the unseen, you know, the unseen realm, <laughs> you're going to face all the oppositions that exist outside of the natural um, that are, that don't want us to do that, that don't want us to invade uh, with a, you know, uh, uh, you know, a beam of light that don't want us to bring God into an ungodly place. And so, um, so I think it, we just have to be, ex we have to expect that and we have to equip ourselves and we have to build, build ourselves up and strengthen ourselves in the things that God asks us to strengthen us in. And so that's what I try and do, um, you know, as much as possible. I'm not, by no means do I have this all figured out, but it's, it's like, I think it's like a daily process for me. Just how am I going to, how am I going to bring the kingdom of God into this call? How am I going to bring the kingdom of God into this difficult conversation that I'm having? <laughs> yeah. I feel like you're, you're on the reverse path, you know, instead of the resistance defining you, and you defaulting to it or letting it stop you in your tracks or, you know, conform so that people will like you more. You're, you're actually pushing against the resistance. You know, the arrows are going out and the power coming from you is like, love is the resistance. I'm pushing back on that. Um, I'm not going to let the resistance define me. And I think you're right. That's when we become strong is in those moments that are defining us either positively or negatively. So I really appreciate that viewpoint and that you have the power to choose. Will you be defined or will you shape and define the culture, the resistance, the dark? That's, that's brilliant. So I do want to talk a little bit more about risk. Um, you believe that 
when we begin to have more open, healthy, and loving conversations, especially about the things we disagree on, um, we are one step closer to looking more like Jesus. And I've seen that you said that. I think it was on Bob Goff's podcast, perhaps. But we are in a very unique cultural moment, a moment that it was probably um, prepared. <laughs> the, the signs were there. But until last year, even the last few months, um, we have never had more polarized opinions in our nation and emotions are really running high. What would you say are some of the risks that you wake up to every day in your role as you manage a platform that can create an environment where healthy and loving conversations happen, but also can be a platform for messages of hate and vitriol? What is the risk? What do you see out there every day? Yeah. It's a great question. I, I, I think the biggest risk, <clears throat> there's two big risks that I see <laughs> from my perspective. Uh, one is the risk, the risk that opinion weighs more than love is one risk. And I think um, I, I hope and I pray and I, I, my hope would be that my love just, you know, shines way brighter than any opinions that I have about a topic that exists. Um, and there are many opinions I have and many topics that are floating around on Twitter, you know, millions of them every day. <laughs> um, but I think, and we all have opinions, but I think opinions should never um, be louder than our love for people. And so I, I try and think about that, you know, um, there's a temptation to, if there's a, a divided uh, stance on a topic, which is in most cases uh, happening every day uh, across every issue. Um, you know, uh, you can have an opinion, but is I, I ask myself the question: What's important for people right now? Do do they need another opinion? Because there's lots of those floating around the world, or do they need like a ton of love? Um, and so, uh, I, I I don't think the world needs more opinions. If I'm being honest with you, I think the world needs more love. <laughs> <laughs> and as I the think, man at Twitter, <laughs> well, there's, there's just lots of it. There's yeah. lots of opinions and, um, yeah. and love breaks through all of that. Um, so that's one, I think, uh, just, um, making sure love screams louder than any of my opinions. And I think the second thing is offense. I, I think about offense all the time, uh, in the context of, you know, if someone says something that offends me, why does it offend me? Should it offend me? Should I have, should I be someone that carries offense with me? <laughs> and I think offense is a super dangerous thing. Uh, and when you're offended, um, you carry that with you. You, it's a weight on your shoulders that you walk around with. And it, uh, it's a gateway to bitterness. It's a gateway to, um, like a deeper level of sorrow and anger. And, um, it's like a opening door for poison to seep in. And so I, I think about offense and I think what, what you get in today's world where you've got divided stances on every possible topic, you've got lots of opinions and then you've got lots of people taking offense. And I think when both of those things are coming together, it, it creates just, um, uh, you know, nothing good. <laughs> and so uh, I am hyper cognizant of um, love shining louder than my opinions and erasing offense from my entire being. And I actually pray about that 
And I, I actually pray, God, like if there is any, any offense or bitterness in me, reveal it to me, remove it from me. Um, you know, I actually don't want to be offended by anyone. Um, and I don't want to hold it. Even if they have a, even if I have a right to be offended, I shouldn't be offended um, because I'm called to something greater. And so I, I, an offense and opinions and the desperate need to share opinions um, uh, is, uh, you know, a breeding ground for, uh, for evil and sin to transpire. And I, I feel like social media is a beautiful thing. And it, it, it allows you at the, at the click of a button to share your opinion with the entire world. Um, that is a power that we should use very carefully. And uh, uh, I, I love the fact that people are talking and engaging. I personally want to make sure that I'm being very thoughtful about things that I share, um, topics that I engage in. Um, and just, I think my filter for engaging is just, you know, do, do I, is love shining louder than my opinion right now on this topic? Um, and uh, how do I remove offense? Um, because it's easy to get offended. And that's a, that's a breeding ground for uh, a whole lot of other hurt that I, I don't want to have in my life. Great thoughts. I mean, I'm thinking about, you know, we're, we're a product of generations, maybe of more group think, you know, um, we're on one side or the other side, but this sense of individualism has really risen up in the last couple of years, people saying, I want my freedom, I want my way, you know, it's about me. And I know you, we've, you've said previously in this conversation, it's about you, but it's not about you. <laughs> it's not about you. So drawing the line to actually the corporate positioning of Twitter, what does that mean then? Like, what do you carry in terms of being responsible for a platform that can carry, yes, it can carry messages of love that are inoffensive, but it has the potential to carry the other as well. Um, are you worried at all? What keeps you up at night? Or what are you most hopeful for in terms of Twitter being a place for all of this to play out? Yeah, I mean, Twitter is the conversation layer of the internet. It's where people, you know, we used to talk about it as this town hall where people go together to share the topics of the day, to, to have a discourse about an issue. Um, and it is like that. It's a, it's the world's largest repository of collective thought um, about every possible topic. And that's fascinating. It's really insightful from a data perspective because you can actually get a pulse check on how are people thinking and feeling? <laughs> how yeah. are people um, responding to a certain topic? Um, there's many, many data points that you can analyze to get a pulse check on you know, the temperature of the world or a country or a city. Um, it's the world's largest focus group in many ways. So from that perspective, it's fascinating. Um, and, and it's in, in some ways it's a reflection of our, our society. Um, and so I, um, I, I get inspired by the possibility of what Twitter can bring to creating opportunities to have open discourse about topics that matter. I am inspired by that. I I'm hopeful. Um, about that. And, um, you know, are we perfect? No. <laughs> um, are there things that are broken uh, in how we operate? Uh, yeah. Uh, do we do we believe and have a motivation to do better all the time? I, I, I believe we do. Uh, and I know that we I know that we the teams 
inside our business that make complex decisions around some of the most complex topics in the world. Um, they make these decisions in a very, very thorough, thought-provoking, and I would say um, exhaustive way. And so I, I think, um, you know, we're dealing with topics all across the world, a myriad of different topics in, in many different types of countries and cultures. And I think the goal is to, you know, how do you have a healthy conversation? How do you create a healthy conversation? Um, what does that, what does that look like? And what does that mean? And how do you create tools? Uh, how do you create policies that allow people to operate within, um, you know, a framework where, you know, we are incentivizing people to, to have a healthy discourse. So I think it's, it's, um, there's complexity in the topic. Um, there's complexity in the world. Uh, I don't expect it to be perfect. And I, I know we are in a state of constant improvement uh, as a platform and as a business. And I think about it as a, <clears throat> you know, like we get to, we all get to choose who we listen to. Uh, that's a choice we all get to make. Um, and I'm, I'm very deliberate with who I follow and who I listen to on Twitter. Um, and I think that's true in life in general. You know, you, you get to choose what voices you listen to which voices inform your path, which voices you get um, offended by, or what voices you allow to influence your life. And so I think it's being, um, you know, the Bible says, guard your heart. Uh, and I think um, I never understood what that meant, truthfully, but I, I think about it now in a, in, a, in a real way, which is, you know, um, the things we allow to influence us, to um, you know, to, to inform our mind, uh, and our hearts, uh, you know, our, our, they, they shape who we are. And so be very, very diligent with what, what you allow to come into your life. And so I, I've been, I think, I think Twitter, like the rest of life, I think you gotta be diligent and, uh, judicious with what you, what you allow <laughs> in your media diet. Um, and I don't think Twitter is any different from any other kind of media that you could consume. You have to be smart about it. You have to know what you're putting in um, and put, put the right kind of boundaries up. Um, and there's healthy ways to consume, you know, media. And I think there's unhealthy ways. And so, and I think the pandemic has produced a lot of unhealthy media consumption habits. Yeah, that's brilliant. I mean, yeah, talking about media in terms of a diet that really hits home, <laughs> you know, what have I consumed um, more than I should have in the last two years in terms of that. But what I love is that uh, you've given us choice. So you're talking about the potential of the platform and leaders are either um, see the threats or the opportunities more one side than the other. And I'm hearing that you're the leader that sees the opportunities in this platform. And that's really refreshing because it does give people a way to express what you know, they're feeling what, what they're bringing to the table. It does open dialogue. We need more of that. We're living in a global world world. We're no longer in silos. So that's so refreshing, but you're also reminding us about the power of choice. You can choose to turn it all off. You can choose what, you know, you don't need to be on any, every platform. You can choose how long. And so I think for those that are listening right now, that's a, that's a brilliant takeaway. Like nobody is forcing us on any platform or to listen to anybody we don't want to, we get to choose. So right. I, I love that choice factor. And so I want to talk about what Paul Burns has had to say no to in his life, 
in order to be where he is right now. I mean, you, I'm sure you've had so many opportunities. You've had quite a brilliant career. Um, you've got a full life. You've got two sons, a, a wife. And I just saw a picture of you online doing a skating rink in the backyard. I mean, you have a very integrated, you know, whole healthy, it seems existence. So what have you had to say no to, to create time for the things that really matter? You know, the average human makes 35,000 decisions a day. And I think um, I have found that the biggest, the biggest no that I've had to say is no to, and I am still working on this, like in a, on a daily basis, but <laughs> no to the distractions that come from, uh, from social media and from your phone. And I would say it sounds super um, simplistic, but um, you know, you can, you can get into a rhythm and, and an hour goes by um, from, you know, scrolling through a, uh, you know, a feed or someone's feed. And it, I think it's, um, you know, these days are precious that we have and our life is a vapor. And, you know, um, there's this test uh, called the rocking chair test that I like to do sometimes. And the, the rocking chair test is fast forwarding our life to, you know, I am 85 years old, 90 years old. I'm on a rocking chair on my porch, looking back on my life. And it's, uh, you know, what I want to be making the, what I want to be using the time I'm, I have right now to do the thing I'm doing right now. Um, and spending, you know, a disproportionate amount of time scrolling through Twitter or Instagram or any other social media, um, uh, you know, is not uh, what I would want to be doing. And I, 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 there are, there are things in my life that I want to be doing that are, that are creating value, that are speaking life into other people that are, <clears throat> that are connecting deeper in a, dip, a deeper, more intimate way with God, the father. Um, and so I, I think just like the reality of, that we are here in an instant and gone in an instant. And I would say over the course of the pandemic, I've had to attend a number of funerals uh, for family members, for people that are close to me. And, you know, a funeral is a stark reminder of that this thing we're all doing right now called life is at some point going to have, a, you know, some closing credits. <laughs> and, you know, what are we doing with our time and how are we using this time and why are we not like getting up and making the most of these days uh and god has gifted us with 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 a creative spirit you know with a brain with with energy with you know with with compassion and love and 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 so you know spending uh our life uh glued to a screen i think again I'm not demonizing that. There's nothing wrong with it. I just think that um, for me personally, wanting to make decisions that are that are outside of that, that are putting that into the context of it's such a temporary thing, a distraction that's pulling me away from what I'm really called to do. Um, that is a big no, saying no to those things. And I am still working at that. And I think like people who you know correlate um, addiction to phone and tech, your phone and technology. I think that's a real thing. And I think addiction is real. And I think um, probably most people in society suffer from that. And so, um, you know, 
how do I enjoy that, that, that 15 minutes with my child? How do I, in, you know, leave my phone off for the weekend? Um, how do I um, really connect with people on a human level? And I think that's, that's what I'm working on right now, trying to say no to the temporary so that I can say yes to the eternal. Uh, and those are just, uh, I think, of those 35,000 decisions you make every day, um, those are those are those are those small things that that have long term consequences. <laughs> yeah, no, that's brilliant. I think just saying no to your phone is such. It sounds yeah. crazy that you have to say that, you know, as if it's a human being, but you're not having a relationship with people when you're on your phone, you're having a relationship with your phone. And so choosing a real life relationship, like a son, like a spouse um, is so good. And yet we struggle so much with it. Thanks so much for sharing that because you are in that social media world that people would think that you have to be on it, you know, 12 to 16 hours a day. And you're chase, you're saying that's one of the things that you are saying no to by choice to free up more time for what matters. That's brilliant, thank you. So as we kind of get to near the end of this conversation, which has been a real surprise for me and a joy. And I think for those listening, again, it is a breath of fresh air because we assume different things about leadership. We assume different things about social media. We assume that you're gonna be a guy, you know, who does get his identity from his role first and foremost, most, and you're saying, no, you're asking big questions and you're living on a finite plate, a finite, you know, section of time, and you know that every choice you make matters. So I appreciate that. And I know our listeners would. So I always like to end with um, this grace zone question. What is it like to be living in the middle of your life right now? What is it like to wake up as Paul Burns every day? I mean, are you comfortable in your own skin? Um, are, what is it like to be Paul Burns? Yeah, my son was, uh, I'll answer it this way. My son was big into America's Got Talent for a period of time. And he, he was watching all these auditions on, on YouTube and, and we would watch them together as a family. And um, there's a couple of these contestants that would come out on stage uh, this one girl in particular, would, <laughs> I remember, she would come out on stage and she was very meek and unsure of herself and, um, and, and almost like embarrassed of who she was. The judges would interact with her, ask her questions. She wouldn't really know how to answer. She would kind of like stumble and this overwhelming sense of shyness and unsuredness and just like a lack of confidence. And, uh, in the initial interactions of her onstage presence. And then the song started and then she started singing and she blew the roof off the place and everyone was just blown away. And you saw this, this young, this young girl transform from this very, almost like uh, shy, meek, unsure of herself person into someone that's full of life and full of creativity and living in a way that's reaching her potential. <laughs> and you saw her father off the stage looking on, just beaming that that's who my daughter is. That's who she is. That's what she was designed for. That's her purpose in life. That's what she was created for. Um, and it's super inspiring watching that. And I think about that as 
the backdrop for how you know we see ourselves. And I I, I would say I used to be self-critical, uh, and I used to you know I I could say now that you know uh, I could be a self-critical person. I I you know could be frustrated. I could be insecure. I could be you know um, wondering if I like, how am I even here in this role? Am I, I don't have what it takes uh, to be in the role that I'm in or to be, you know, a father of these two children or a husband to a wife. I don't, I don't have what it takes. All of those things would be me believing a lie about my purpose, my identity, and my created intention. And I think like that father on the side of the stage, looking at his child, living into their full potential, I think, um, you know, God sees me as a son. God sees me and you as a daughter, Kathy, and he sees us as his family that he doesn't want to be meek and shy and like unsure of themselves. He sees us brimming with potential and brimming with overwhelming creativity. And he wants us to go out there in life and live it and, you know, stop thinking low of ourselves. Stop thinking that we're worthless. Stop thinking that we, you know, this, this false humility that we got to be like, you know, understated and quiet and, you know, God wants us to go out and live. And I think the, the analogy of God as a father who looks on his children, um, I think is just, you know, a father, a good, a good parent wants their child um, to live out their potential and to be everything that they can be and to, and to, and to, you know, live in a, live in such a way that you are realizing and grasping and gripping um, life. And so I think, um, you know, for me, I, I think anytime that I feel that quiet voice of distraction, that quiet voice that is saying that I'm no good. Uh, I am, I am, I, I have, I am weak. <laughs> I, I shouldn't be living out this way or, or um, a voice that says you shouldn't say those things um, that tries to silence me or make me think a certain way. Um, I want to give that voice no attention. I want to give that voice, that thought, um, zero ground. And I want to reaffirm in my own mind, what does, who does God say I am? And what does God say about me? And remind myself of the promises that he has declared over my life, remind myself of who he says I am, and the purposes that he has for my life. And it's all in that book he wrote. Um, those are the things that I think um, should give every, every person of faith, every person that believes a newfound energy and excitement and enthusiasm about days are short, get out there and live, stop wasting time. You got this go, yeah. you know, like, and it's uh, I think it's a, it's a, it's an energizing posture when you, when you think of it that way. And I think um, uh, that's, so that's a rounded way, long winded way of, of, of saying, how do I think about myself? I used to think about myself in a whole different way. Um, and I, I, I think, uh, I think I'm trying to think about myself every day in the way that God thinks about me, which is full of potential jam packed with possibility and ready to go out into the world and bring the kingdom. Yeah. I love it. I mean, I'm hearing the swagger there, but it's all humble, <laughs> humble swagger. And when you were speaking, Paul, our listeners can't really see this, but your arms were flying and your, 
Yeah. I mean, you're motivating us to, you know, go out there, get it, do it because that's what God would want for us. Uh, what are you excited about in the year ahead? What's I'll just, coming up for I'll just you? say on that last, just on that last comment, someone, I heard someone say once, I thought this was good. Um, take out a piece of paper and uh, write down on that piece of paper, something that you would do if you were 10 times bolder than you are today. And if you were 10 times bolder than you were today, what would you do? And write down on the piece of paper. Um, and then a couple minutes goes by. Um, and then the check-in is, if anything is written down on that paper, fear has reduced you. And so I think there's something really powerful in us just living into an existence and a bold, declarative um, way of life that is living not in arrogance, but total confidence in knowing whose we are. Uh, and that is, a, that is a posture that is, is not desperately seeking and unsure of yourself, but you are living from a place of confidence and knowing whose family you're a part of. And that just is, that, that, that is a wild promise that um, many of us, and myself included, have not realized um, and so that's, that's, uh, I think that's what I've been, what I've been wrestling with. And sorry, I interrupted your last question. <laughs> no, it's brilliant. Preach, preach, preach. Uh, what is the book Paul Burns might be writing? Because you should definitely be writing one. Yeah. Well, um, my good friend, Bob Goff, uh, yes. inspired me to, to, to write one. And I, I have, I have started, but I, uh, I'm, I'm mid journey on that. So, um, stay tuned more to come. I, I will. And he, if he's got you on that track, you are going to finish it. So I believe, and I'll, I'll call you up sometime and ask you how it's going. Yeah. That's great. You know, the author of the book undistracted and, you know, I, I love that your message is for now. I mean, we do need to be focused on what really matters, choose our time carefully. So what's coming up for you in 2022? What are you excited about? Yeah, um, I'm excited about the year ahead. And I, I, I just think that um, right now, God is going to awaken people's hearts. Business leaders are going to realize that uh, God has put them there for a reason. Um, that, that we have his power, um, living in us. And I think, I think he's going to awaken the church in a way that, um, you know, maybe it has not awakened <laughs> in a long, long time. And, and I think this is, uh, it, and it doesn't have to be this weird thing where it's like, oh, I can't talk about faith at, at church, at, at work. I can't talk about, you know, Jesus at work. I think it's just going to be like a, uh, like a powerful revolution of and a revelation of of God's power in ways that we have we have not seen. And um, you know, I think this is this is a to me, 2022 is a season where we're gonna see God just open the floodgates of of his reality in our lives. And it's he's gonna move from this theoretical thing to realness. Um, that he is real and, and like, and I think people's families are going to be transformed and I think um, businesses are going to be transformed and societies and cities are going to be transformed um, because of people's understanding and belief that God is a real God who cares deeply about people and wants all uh, to come to know him. And I think, um, I think that's going to happen. I think there's going to be a whole other bunch of things that are going to happen too. Um, but I think we got to be careful to get ourselves on a track that is, um, that is, that is full of hope 
and full of full of his agenda and his will and um, try and put our own agendas aside for a brief moment because because uh, he's got something so much better than we could ever imagine. So I think yeah. 2022 is going to be a year full of that, full of us walking into the promise and purposes that he has that he has for us that are so much better than anything we could ever expect or realize on our own. Yeah, that's amazing. And unfortunately, sometimes because we're human, we have to come to the end of ourselves, come through a pandemic, see what's going on in the world and get really like understanding that we are not in control of totally <laughs> of anything. And then the opportunity for us to really hear God more, invite him in more into the center of our lives. So thanks so much for bringing us up to that level of seeing the hope, seeing the light and seeing the opportunity, because again, it is refreshing. We need it now more than ever. So I appreciate that you're not only on this planet, but you're positioned in a place where you do have influence, maybe more than you even know or think. And I know there's so many great takeaways from my conversation with you. And I hope that I can talk with you again sometime. Thanks so much for being with me today. Thanks, Kathy. So good to talk. I was listening with great interest as Paul's personal leadership journey busted the myth that leaders are in a crisis of cynicism. He is both a realist and an optimist, and I think that's what sets him apart. Paul's message to us all was that we're distracted on many levels, urgent news headlines, a problem to solve at work, a house filled with noisy kids, or just a desire to escape it all. But our distractions are just that, distractions from what's most important. So what does it look like to navigate through those distractions? Well, choosing to not keep trying to control the world around us and developing habits that help us stay focused and centered. And I just had the sense in my conversation with Paul that he was one of the happy few leaders that choose to be non-conformative to the influence of the world to form him into something they would like him to be. He has a transformative presence choosing love as the resistance, the only resistance that can push back darkness, and choosing to find his identity in anything but the corporate title. That is both rare and refreshing. And to me, that is the strong way, the clear way, and the brave way. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this conversation with Paul Burns. Please feel free to reach out to me on social at Kathy Ostopchuk or email me at kathy at kathyostopchuk.com. I'd love to hear from you. Until next time, I remain committed to helping you find your strong way forward. I believe in you. God bless. Episode of The Strong Way with Kathy Astovchuk. For show notes and to get in touch, be sure to head to thestrongway.ca or kathyastovchuk.com. If this content has been helpful, we'd love you to share it with your friends on social networks and subscribe so you don't miss any amazing episodes. And remember, the strong way is not always the easiest way, but it is the best way because it's your way. Until next time, stay strong.